the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC 247 Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way, let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree, people sitting on porches thinking how things used to be, dark night. It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night What is up, you savages? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you can find over at MMAJunkie.com. And on this here program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully it's before the fight. Re- recording this, uh, we're supposed to record it late Thursday night, but ended up doing it Friday morning. We'll, we'll shave you the spiel, but hopefully this sounds okay because uh, part of it has to do with uh, recording on new equipment. So um, haven't got a chance to work out all the bugs. Uh, it just seems like things are working. So hopefully it sounds okay. Hopefully, in fact, it sounds better, um, but if it doesn't, know that uh, I'm both dealing with new hardware and software. So uh, so apologies for that, but uh, also thank you for supporting this uh, show because uh, we wouldn't it wouldn't be uh, you know getting upgrades uh, if, if, if not. So all right, uh, we already did a recap, so it's pretty much just gonna be a straightforward breakdown episode today where we break it down UFC 247 as per usual from top to bottom. Recapping the uh, picks and plays at the very end of the episode. You can always fast forward to that if you don't want to hear me. No harm, no foul. Um, we'll be getting going today. Just just wanted to give a, a shouts to a couple friends. First, um, my, my dude Joey over there on uh, on, on uh, Instagram. He comes into the studio. He, he pops in over here uh, in Vegas uh, from, uh, from time to time. Good dude. He uh, answered one of the questions that um, I don't know if... You guys submitted or I asked it. I'm pretty sure I asked it, but it was like based off one of your guys' questions. Like, oh yeah, we're talking about Nate Landva and like who gets knocked out in their debut, UFC debut, and still went on to have like meaningful careers. And my dude Joe, he was like TJ Dillashaw. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. And the, as far as like his tough debut, he gets knocked out by John Dodson. And then he hit me back later and said, um, Luke Rockhold, and I, I, yeah, I believe his first UFC fight was Vitor Belfort, off the top of my head, right? So, um, thank you for those. And if you hear little chewings and stuff and, and jinglings, it's uh, it's the pup brownie. Boy, she is she's crazy, man. That's another thing that's been tough. I, I haven't been getting a uh, crap for sleep. Not 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 trying to complain, but yeah, that, that's it's 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 been tough. So, that's another good thing about writing and recording late at night is, is she's usually sleeping, but. My energy was just fucking kaput. So, um, so yeah, we're gonna be dealing with uh, Brownie. She ate her breakfast and she, she, you know, did her business. So hopefully we've got some time, and I will be jumping through this. Hopefully we'll get this down to forty-five minutes to an hour max. I'm gonna try to get it faster than that. Um, and I also wanted to give last shout to my friends over again at uh, mytopsportsbooks.com. That's Sports books with an S at the end. MyTopSportsBooks.com uh, included an image in the show notes with a little uh, Jones and Reyes layout, uh, which is pretty cool to check out. And of course, there's a link 
there for a preview. If you want to get a different perspective, go further and check out what my friends over there have to offer. Um, nothing sinister, just sports betting and and, uh, and and good people. So feel free to click the link. Doesn't cost you nothing to check out some content. All right, speaking of content, under five minutes, let's get to UFC 247. Of course, it is headlined by John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. We've got another title fight in the co-main, which we'll get to next. Work our way down. John Jones, your favorite. Minus 440, Dominic Reyes, plus 350. Oh, I cannot really be too surprised. Um... I cannot be really too surprised at those lines. I mean, you usually see John Jones at higher lines, but Dominic Reyes has captured the imagination of many, even me. Uh, I guess maybe uh, you know, until I got more into the tape study. Um, and yeah, I mean, he he's, he 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 is still a live dog. I mean, that, that's kind of an easy thing to say about anybody. It is MMA after all, lest we not forget. But um, but yeah, not as live as I initially thought. Uh, kind of like I was saying, I, don't, I, I may actually repeat a lot of the points because, uh, you know, um, my early feels weren't too far off after I, I dove in. And a lot of these I didn't dive in, uh, the due diligence that I normally do. Again, I apologize. And, of course, I will always be forthcoming for those fights uh, that that applies to. But, um, yeah, the, this one kind of had the same feel. Again, like, you know, I'm, I'm looking for when someone faces, faces John Jones. <laughs> How do they kick and counter people getting kicked? And, uh, you know, we've seen that kind of be the... People can counter off his kicks back, you know, when Leota Machida did it for a brief instance back at UFC 140 all the way to, you know, Gustafson 165 kind of uh, implements a lot of that into his uh, boxing strategy, countering off of the kicks. Of course, Cormier and his pressuring approach did really well, kicking and countering off of kicks. Of course, Thiago Santos kicking and countering off of kicks, even with a compromised knee. Uh, did pretty darn well, and um, and that's what you got to do to beat Jones. Now I know that Tiago Santos fight uh, sparks a lot of controversy. Um, a lot of people I respect on both sides of those scorecards. I I could see an argument for Santos totally, uh, and I I don't disagree with those people at all. That that being said, I was more of a 48-47 Jones. And I think live I was even 49-46. And not necessarily that I thought it was 49-46. Again, these judges, especially bad judging, has me in particularly conditioned. I know I'm not the only one, but I'm not going to blanket statement. Um, to kind of like question like uh, our own scorecards and kind of judge things based on how the judges traditionally score. Not necessarily how I, we, or what the proverbial we think is right. So in that case, I thought even you know more of that 49-46, especially in Vegas, oh, you got to take it from the champ, which I don't agree with, but let's be honest, we still do see some of that in scorecards if we're reading between the lines. Sorry, folks, got the uh, little tear running around. This is another reason why, as you can see, things are taking a while. It's morning time, so it's like the itchy and scratchy show between them. Fight, 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 fight. Um, so I got them separated in the little one with me. But yeah, I mean, I, I could see scores either way. I, I think just whether the scorecards or the fight itself, I think in general is easier to get hung up on. Um, and perhaps, you know, that's why maybe the, the, the line isn't as big as traditional Jones fights. And it's tough. And, and, and 
that's what makes John Jones just so hard to figure out, you know, because I do think it is him being stubborn, you know. Um, especially when you look at, it's weird, it's like you could look at how hurt his leg was, the poker face he was hiding, and go, okay, he must have been really stubborn if he was that hurt, or, you know, did he get hurt early on uh, by the Tiago Santos leg kicks and that kind of um, took the confidence out of his wrestling? Because I went back and watched, uh, you know, all of Jones's footage. I did that for, um, I think, like five of the, of six fighters for the, the three matchups that I really kind of cared about on this card. Um, and... Um, and yeah, and I was looking at his wrestling, and obviously when you're younger, it's going to be better. And you guys know my canary in the coal mine theory, um, as far as you know, people not wrestling as much when they get older. And John Jones seems to be following that trend. He's not super old; he's only 32, but he has been fighting since 2008. Now, it's uh, and most of that's been at a UFC level. I mean, uh, he got all his fights in, I believe, within a year all the fights he accrued pre-UFC, and some of those were, like, tournaments and whatnot. So it's like he racked up that experience fast. I mean, he practically grew up inside the octagon, which is crazy. And, of course, he used his Greco base and wrestling much more early on and doesn't use it as much now. But it, it's tough when he does use it now. Like, he, he'll fail on shots, but some of them, like Alexander Gustafson, obviously underrated takedown defense. Um, but as far as like the Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos fights, like on a lot of those misses, I I'm not sure how much he was really meaning to take him down. Like, would he have followed them to the ground if the initial entry uh, worked and produced more results? I'm sure he would have. But they didn't look like the most meaningful or best shots. Um, and uh, you could argue that again because not trying to give Jones too much of the benefit of the doubt, but it is his style where. He will plant seeds, um, and he knows that you know, especially you know, uh, fighters like Anthony Smith or Thiago Santos, because the uh, and I think both were Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belts by the time they faced him. I know Anthony Smith was, but despite that, the biggest on-paper uh, ground dis uh, uh, disparities, on-paper disparities, were on the ground. So I think he knew that that threat was there, and all he had to do was kind of just flash it to kind of get his, you know, to get his. Um, you know, to get his to get the bang for his buck out of that, so to speak, and 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 I'm sure it in turn helped his striking, which is kind of an overlapping theory for people that you know. Again, if anybody was 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 looking for reasons to tear down to tear down John Jones or you know, proverbial chinks in the armor, it'd be this guy, especially early on. But like, I don't know. I I do wonder if we're making too much of it because. We could certainly point point holes at his kickboxing process, but it's hard to you know argue with the overall results John gets. Can you stop chewing on this? You're chewing your bone. Chewing your bone. Where's your bone here, Brownie? Come. Sorry, folks. I'm trying to get this out to you and, and not be any more late than I am, and this is a uh, part part of how I have to do it. Come here now. Anyways, um, so yeah, I, I could see those those takedowns uh, being kind of the, for those reasons. And another reason why I say that is because, <coughs> excuse me, another reason why I say that is because in those fights when he did score takedowns, um, when he does meaningfully change levels, 
the little prisoner. What are you getting these hubcaps for? Sorry, just stop biting things off the chair. Nope. She realized she could um bite little hubcaps off the chair, and uh, it's it's terrorizing. You're going up on here. We've interrupted the podcast long enough on the bed. So where you stay. All right. Sorry about that, folks. Um, but yeah, I, I, when, he, when he did go to do the take, meaningful takedowns, he still was able to. I mean, even in performances where he quote unquote didn't look himself, um, like uh, against Ovin St. Pru, he gets the takedown in the fourth round. And I want to say offhand, he gets a late takedown as well with Anthony Smith in the fourth round. So when he wants to take people down, like, it doesn't show there's an issue. He's being able to do level-changing takedowns where it takes technique, but then it also takes strength and the way he hoists these guys up really really high. I mean, and he's doing it late in the fight when you're tired, have probably accrued some injuries. So I don't know how much of the wrestling deteriorating is a real factor because that was something I was looking for uh, as far as the John side, and I haven't seen enough of that. The sample size isn't there to be confident of a trajectory. So I'm going to assume he still has those. That being said, I don't know if he even, even if his wrestling is intact, I'm not even sure if he can get Reyes down or at least down in a meaningful way. Um, Reyes doesn't have a really strong sample size against, uh, against uh, top wrestlers. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. um, You know, I don't want to say, I'm not sure why people are so confident uh, that you know his takedowns suck when I'm sitting here saying that mm, I don't think it's going to matter but I also said that for the Weidman fight and uh, proved to be right there I know Weidman is in Jones folks sorry I'm kind of looking over my shoulder here and to make sure the dog isn't tearing into my pillows I know Weidman isn't uh, Jones folks but um, but yeah um, he just shows really good uh, uh you know, fundamentals, and when he does get taken down, um, he uses the fence well, can fight hands, tripods up. And there's not, like I said, there's not a lot of back takers once you get up to light heavyweight and heavyweight, so you can get away with tripoding much more, assuming the guy doesn't have a good front headlock game. Now, John Jones does, so maybe he snatches a guillotine on the way up, uh, a la Leoto Machida. Um, but, yeah, and that could very well happen. But Reyes, um, Reyes's grappling coach is uh, Joe Stevenson, who's you know master of the guillotine. So I'm assuming he's pretty well trained in that department. Um, one second, Brownie, come shoot this one, shoot, come Where? And uh, so I'm not sure how much that's gonna you know uh, play there now. If he does, or if Reyes is hurt or tired, then yeah, then there's a lot more play in the later ground fighting. I'm just. I'm not sure it's some back pocket thing like everybody thinks it is because for one, like we just mentioned, John Jones is very frustrating. Like sometimes he won't, uh, sometimes he won't, you know, just use things that are very obvious, right? And then again, uh, for two, um, Reyes uh, has 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 underrated defense and scrambling, so I think it's going to play on the feet, which then poses the question: Okay, does John give him the prolonged kickboxing bout, or does he? follow the kind of the Glover to share a game plan and go into the clinch, which like I said on last podcast and previous ones, that Glover to share fight, in my opinion, most impressive John Jones performance for me. And I think it would be very smart for him to replicate that game plan here. And with Reyes, if he is as good as far as scrambling and defending and, um, 
if his kickboxing is as potent as many of us suspect, whether regardless or not whether we're picking him, I feel like that's going to bottleneck John um, into fighting into the clinch, regardless if that's his game plan or not. Uh, John's does sound pretty prepared for this one. Sounds motivated, looks motivated, looks in great shape. Um, and that's something that I wanted to talk about real quick before we move on, because you can read the breakdown for all the techniques over at MMAJunkie.com. I didn't really talk about this too much, and it's a it's a theory, which is, um, and I'm going to bookmark it. Sorry, folks, most disjointed podcast ever. She laid down for a second, so let's try to knock this out and focus. Uh, another theory, which is PED theory, is being talked about with John Jones. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you look at when he was flagged, last time he looked good, he was flagged. Um, he starts, uh, you know, uh, looking jacked when he works with this Gamma Gat Nutrition or whatever, and they have, like, questionable stuff in it, right? Um, all, you know, you look around USADA time, it's when it's, you know, super inconsistent. But at the same time, he wasn't, like, super jacked until about that, like, open St. Proof fight, and he's had levels of jackness that have kind of variated since. But there is a clear, you know, and again... He openly um, publicly works and whatever with that get, get nutrition, so you could you could surmise enough there, I guess, or at least a decent amount to connect some dots. But yeah, it, it is questionable. That being said, you know, again, I'm one of these people where I don't like steroids, um, but at the same time, even though maybe your guys' perception of me or what somebody who's more of a traditionalist or comes from the martial arts side of things would would think, but um, I, I I didn't like I, I didn't like them. I wouldn't use them. I was against them, but I also was knew the reality of sports and combat sports. And before I ever competed, told myself that you better be willing to compete against a guy who's on steroids. And if you're not, then don't get in there because you're just now we're just going down a road of not being uh, real. And um, reality is something you very much need in a very reality-based game like MMA. So for me, uh, I understood it that it is a part of the ecosystem. So. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't have as crazy one way or the other opinions as most. Um, and that's why even though I'm against performance-enhancing drugs, I'm also against bodies like USADA because people who do things in the guise of safety are the worst motherfuckers in the world. If you wonder why it's so hard to access your accounts and it's always stupid password rules and all that, because some motherfucker said, ooh, I know how we can use some of this corporate allocation into my pockets. Let's uh let's let's go safety and security here. Ooh, no one argues with safety and security. You know. Um anyway, sorry, it's a different fucking tangent. Uh anyways, but uh yeah, and we got guys, you know, now we have things like USADA who are both housing and harming careers of John Jones, depending what perspectives or what situations you want to look at it. So it is very tricky. Now, if he has another questionable performance here that goes beyond tactical questioning, you know, um, then maybe we can start asking those questions. Um, but I, I, I don't think it is. I think a lot. I, I never thought I'd be saying this. I think there's a lot of truth to what John says in the sense that sometimes you have off days, sometimes you have high days, and every you know, and everybody expects you to come in and be spectacular every day, you know, and. Uh, 
That is very true. So uh, I'm not pulling the trigger or super hard one way or another, but just for those wondering, because I didn't address it in my breakdown, I don't really get that too far down the speculative trail unless it really ties in with the analysis. Um, And uh, I don't have anything concrete to tie my boat to, folks, so I'm going to sail along and kind of just look at the technics. And it comes down to kicking and countering kicks for John Jones and and uh, how much John Jones is going to allow these prolonged kickboxing fights that uh, seem to get him get him into trouble. So we'll see. Uh, the pick is John Jones. I think it's going to be by decision uh, because Reyes, uh, again, a little, little shout to one of my favorite bands, Final Fight. He's not one to raise his flag to the wolves very easily. So that's going to be the, uh, that's gonna be the, the, the pick for the pick for that one. Um, don't listen to commentary. Body language can cost cards. Santos, yeah, that's another thing, and that goes for a lot of fights. Um, I'm sure even in the the uh, well, maybe not the co-main, but uh, a lot of fights like we talked about with Jacare Souza. You know, if you look gassed, even though you're landing the better shots, or and the harder shots, um, which is the argument for Santos, right? The better and more harder shots, the more meaningful shots. When you look compromised, you didn't look gassed. Obviously, he wasn't gassed. He was in great shape. His knee fucking knees, I should say, gave out. Uh, But it's still bad body language to the ref, which was always going to be working against him. And that's, you don't have to agree with it. I don't. But it's, again, it's a reality, folks. We can can only waste so much calories getting mad at things that are reality. So, um that's what it is you you're gassed or you have you're hurt or you have a cut on your head even if the cut was from a headbutt and you uh, you got a good ref like McCarthy who announces it out loud and hopes that the fighter doesn't get penalized for an illegal blow still it doesn't matter you're the one with blood on your face and that image lasts in the judge's head and you now need to work twice as hard to earn the round it's not fair but it's true um so I guess that's the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll say for, 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 for people still hungry for that argument. Um, and, and, yeah, also just be careful not to listen to commentary because, you know, great broadcast team, but um, you, you got you to gotta watch the action for what it is. Um, all right, let's move on. Co-main event, we got Valentina Shevchenko, probably like a minus 1,100, right, with uh, Chuke again, probably plus 700. Oh, by the way, uh, the angle that I see um, for playing this fight, the Jones-Reyes, I think it's going to go to decision, especially uh, especially if certain jinxes are in play. But, no, in all honesty, I think I do... John, John Jones could get a finish, and if he does, I think it's going to be later. Uh, or, or and Actually, you know what? I think both the main and co-main... I'm picking both the heavy favorites to get it done by decision, not by inside the distance. However... I believe that depending on the fight their dance partners bring, it could open up a finish. But if they don't get that finish or that opportunity doesn't open up for said finish and we don't see it in the first two rounds, I think there's a really good chance that both these bad boys are going to the decision. Now, I'm not going to bet that it goes to the decision, but if you're going to give minus 155, which is essentially almost the same line as Jones inside the distance... Uh, for over 2.5, that way you get the decision, you get the late finish. You even pretty much can dance around and sweat a mid-finish with that price and um, capture on the net, so to speak. So I'm not saying you should go right out and play it. Uh, I'll probably sprinkle it. I'm not saying you should follow me off this cliff. 
If you ask me for the what I think is the best betting angle on the main event, I think it's the over. Jones-Reyes over 2.5 minus 155. All right. Uh, and I'll give you what I think the best play, in my opinion, is for the uh, co-main event. Again, check the write-up for this over at MMAJunkie.com. I'm going to try to speed the rest of this, folks. Um, it was disjointed and took much longer than I thought. Apologize. Hopefully it's sounding okay. And thank you for sticking through. Minus 900, actually, plus 600. Come back on Juke again now. Um, yeah, man. Uh, Shout-out to Smoogie and man on tw- uh, Twitter there. Smoogie there on Twitter. Just uh, the biggest uh, Chukagan fan ever. The leader of the Chuk Army there. But uh, Chukagan, man, she is uh, the blonde fighter. She's got that Armenian fire. That's right, folks. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I, I actually went through and I watched. I know it was... I know it was it was, it was was long, uh, but I watched all her fights. Um, and, uh, you know, it was nice to see kind of her style coming around a corner. Uh, she's admittedly doing. I'm not sure... Hopefully she's uh, sharpened those edges because going into a title fight with Shevchenko is kind of a last place you want to be experimenting with a new style. But I do like... It's not a completely new style, but I do like that she's trying to sit down on more on her punches because she's always had really good symbiotic head movement um, with her punches, you know? She puts her combinations together well, but she'll roll her head off the crosses, which she's much better and cognizant about now because... Excuse me. Like I said in the breakdown, she kind of parlays a level change when she kind of rolls her head off that cross, throwing that rear hand, change her level. You know, she's she's trying to imitate more her stablemates of Frankie Edgar, although it seems like she's training more up in New York these days. Uh, up on Long Island, Team Henzo Gracie in the city, which she would train at before, granted. Um, but yeah, and what I really like is just her left hand. She she really checks out of exchanges and not checks out mentally, but um, but checks out as far as like throwing checking strikes. Uh, checking strikes are always good. They're not so much counters as they are again checking your opponent. You know, you throw a one, a one two, or even a one two, uh, a one two three. Your balance is going to be in a certain place more toward a certain place than being on balance, depending on what punch you throw, A, which is going to leave you vulnerable to counters, uh, B, or possibly uh, allowing people to follow you back inside the pocket off of your exchanges, right? Now, when you throw checking shots, like a check jab or a check hook, uh, attaching to your combinations, not only does it kind of give you that safety, but especially like punches like the check hook will often put you back on balance if you're coming off of a rear-handed power shot that might have took you off balance a bit, right? So that's why I'm such a big proponent and a big champion as far as fighters who can throw check strikes really well. Uh, Unfortunately for Chukagian, um, she may be on the wrong end of check strikes before she even gets to her own check strikes because Valentina Shevchenko's check right hook, like I said in the video portion of the breakdown, and like I said prior to the Holly Holm fight, which reads like it pretty much happened, um, that, 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 that strike's going to be live here. That strike's going to be live here. You know, say what you will about Shevchenko. I know uh, a lot of people I respect aren't the biggest fans, and I, I get it. And I, I might be uh, alone on an island with, that I might have to share with some uh, some some weird horny dudes, but uh, I, I, I am genuinely a fan of Shevchenko's style. <laughs> style. Fighting style, I should say. I should actually clarify with that, right? Because um, 
well, let's just let's let's just keep it. Let's keep it to the fight. Stay on target. Stay on target. <laughs> Star Wars reference. Um, but yeah, no, I I I, uh, I, I, I like Shevchenko's style, and she's she's on point with them counters, Ming. Um, and I think that's going to be live here, especially when Chukagian kicks. Like I said, she she's also a really good symbiotic head movement and is translating well to her now sitting more in the pocket. But like a common thread is her head doesn't move as well on kicks, which it's very hard to do. Um, not everybody has great kicking defense while they kick, like her uh, ex-stable mate Marlon Moraes kind of does, where he would stay on balance and um, can still keep a guard and retreat. Uh, she's very available. Her head's very on a straight line when she kicks, and she's available countered. We saw uh, Calderwood able to catch a lot of kicks and, and counter her down that way. I think we're going to see the, uh, Shevchenko do that as well. Except I don't think Shevchenko can chew her up on the ground as easily. Chukagian is a longtime Henzo Gracie Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Uh, active off of her back. Too willing to fight there when she got to the higher levels. But I think she realized that now. And if you look at her last couple fights... Um, she has much better urgency to get up, and even when the cage isn't there, she did uh, my one of my favorite. I don't see it done. She did the uh, Nick Diaz move, where she uh, back rolls to turtle and tripods up to her feet. Um, and the great again, the great part about that is it, it parlays well with the high guard attack, which she has and goes to. And if the high guard misses and or something slips through the crack and the opponent goes to pass. Um, when you go turtle, if you can fight from turtle and stand from turtle, then you should never get your guard passed because you will always have that option. See Eduardo Teles, eh, who also actually fought MMA, um, or see in MMA Nick Diaz. Um, against George St. Pierre, he lost that fight, but again, you just saw repeatedly, even George St. Pierre uh, had trouble uh, initiating dominance and his side control, his patent side controls and grounded pounds. Um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I like Shevchenko here. I think it's going to be by decision as well. True Kagan seems like she's got a chin. She seems like she's hard to discourage. And I think even if she's meaning to use her new style of sitting down, I feel like Shevchenko, if she doesn't, again, if that finish doesn't come fast early, um, off of a, and if it does, I think it's going to have to be something emphatic, like a spinning back fist when True Kagan tries to dart off to her weak side. Mark that I said that as well with the check right hook. But. Otherwise, I think the, those shots, the check right hook's going to just scare Chukagin back into her old style on her bicycle. So, again, nothing crazy here, but the angle I think to play um, is Shevchenko by decision, minus 145. Um, if you're looking for an angle to play the fight, I think that's the that's that's the best one. All right, Juan Adams, minus 240. Justin Taffa, plus 200. This is avoidless all day. Uh, this is really tricky you know Juan Adams a lot of promise and then we see some possible you know holes in his armor the, the gas tank and then uh you know he goes against a fellow wrestler and we see that you know uh, more coming to fruition that maybe this isn't the best decision guy but granted it's heavyweight so how and he's new so how how, how high of a scale can we really grade him in that regard um, whereas Justin Taffa, you know, he's a southpaw, heavy-handed Islander. He's got, you know, he probably looks just like his uncle and his father's with that mustache and <laughs> mean look. Like, I'm sure you can look at pictures from his family members in the 80s and there maybe there's a little bit of a mullet action going on, but it's essentially like the same, uh, they all got the same mustache and hairstyle. I lo gotta love that. Um, he comes from a fighting family, you know, uncles, brothers, fathers, 
etc. So you're like, oh, this guy, dude, this guy hits hard. If he uh, can avoid getting taken down and held down, maybe he can do something. You know, he's a blue or purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's not out of his depths. But I got bios here. Shouts to my man, uh, MMA Junkie John. Uh, and by the way, shouts to Kenny. Of course, you heard me kind of hinting at it. Of course, they, they revealed there that they made a roadshow what was going on. And Kenny's out and successfully out and healing. So hopefully a quick recovery to him. Um, but yeah, we got, uh, you know, uh, Juan Adams looking at the bio, or Justin Taffa looking at the bio. And despite coming from a fighting family, like this guy said he only started fighting and competing when he was 20 years old. So like, what was he doing before then, you know? Um, you know, I, looking at his Instagram, there's none of those like throwback Thursday pictures where he's like boxing or has a gi or a karate uniform or anything. So just because you're from a fighting family or this or this doesn't mean you were doing the all the fighting stuff, all the prerequisite work. So in other words, I, I, I'm not sure how much layers there is to Tafa's game, which is an understatement. But I guess I'll more specifically say there may be just as many layers as what looks to be. Uh, on the resume um so for that i will go with the wrestler uh juan adams questionable stand up aside he has been hit heavy on the feet and that's not where he got stopped i do think he was rocked more than he gave credit for against that weird stoppage against greg hardy which i think is making i would say is making me and others hesitant but at minus 240 for a heavyweight fight like at this level that's a head scratcher folks like if you're if, if you're playing this at all, which I wouldn't say, I'd say keep your money away from this low level heavyweight fight. But that's why it's on my avoid list. But that's got to be dog or pass. That being said, I'm gonna go with Adams because between the wrestling and what he does show in the stand up, which is a lead hand, like just all those things are very uh, Greg Jackson, Jackson Wink s material. And if that's where he's uh, gone to reprieve himself, um, I'm not sure how exciting it'll be. I'm not sure if it goes the distance or inside the di- or, or inside, which is another reason why it's like a stay away. But I, I do think he reprieves himself here. Juan Adams is the pick. Mirsa Bektik minus one twenty five. Dan Ige plus one oh five. Money coming in on Ige uh, this week, and I don't blame it. Some of that is mine. That's right. Pick Dan Ige. I know. Surprise, surprise. Hawaiian extreme couture bias. So don't follow me off this cliff. Um, but I think he gets it done here. I think there's multiple ways. I think both uh, both ways, though, got to be inside the distance. I just think it either happens in round one or round three. Round one, because Dan Ige, I mean, he just was super impressive. I picked him against Kevin Aguilar, and I did legitimately think he could do it. But, yes, there was some bias in that pick as well. And I admittedly did not expect Ige to look as good as he did. Um, this was a fight, by the way. I went back and watched everything on these guys for the most part, too. And it was just, it was really awesome. And by the way, shout out to my man, Eric Nixick. He does great cornering, but man, I think him and Ige really got something special. Eric does some of his best stuff uh, when Ige's in the corner, and Ige really responds well to Eric. Um, Obviously, the wrestling edge is going to go to Bektik. He's never been taken down in the octagon, so it's going to be... Yeah, I can see why Bektik is holding as the favorite, because what happens to Ige's game when the wrestling's taken away now i don't think it takes away that much from the striking because again go back to that kevin aguilar fight the shots he was taking given not just the power coming and going but the technique going to the body even going to the body when his opponent was hurt not getting overexcited, but yet showing the proper urgency that was a really good balance there especially for a guy who for being critical you know um you got to question ige's gas tank now 
he's been able to show come back from drop-offs. Hell, even when he was getting his ass kicked from Julio Arce, he still had no quit on him and, and didn't stop coming forward. That being said, I think the pattern, though, is not a, a, a bad gas tank by any means, but questionable in the sense of that there seems to be a drop-off in round two. Uh, now, that's bad because round two is usually where the momentum can start changing against Bektik. Traditionally, he didn't show it against the second-to-last fight. He kept a pretty good pace throughout um, with Ricardo Lamas, despite it being a you know aggressive fight. I think it was Ricardo Lamas. Anyways, the second-to-last decision. But like um, he didn't show like that much signs of gassing like he did in the past, right? Uh, that is Bektik. Whether we're talking about the Elkins fight, Skelly fight, etc., um, but dropping off in round two is not good because that means if Ige doesn't catch him or finish him in round one, that means Bektik will probably be able to continue a successful game plan in round two, especially if that game plan is wrestling because Ige can't be taken down, right? Um, he's he's not out of his depths. He's scrambled. He could fight from his back and, um, and whatnot. But yeah. That could be problematic as far as points. I don't think Bektik subs him or stops him. But as far as points goes, and then you're heading into round three where Ige needs to finish. Thankfully, again, with Ige showing heart, showing that he can finish, he can consistently rock guys, keep coming forward, win or lose in that third round, I like his chances, um, even if Bektik isn't fading. Uh, but I feel like Bektik's really going to have to re- out-wrestle Ige, and I think he can. But I just think Ige is going to be making him work so damn hard for it because... Ige doesn't get tired for no reason. This guy brings a pace. So uh, I think it's going to either happen in round one or round three. Easy, Derek Love. Uh, And easy on those prop parlays because if you're getting Dan Ige's plus money, don't take the inside lines or the round lines. Just take take the money line. That's what I did. You don't got to follow me off the one-unit cliff that I got at plus 115. But, yeah, I got Dan Ige. Derek Lewis minus 220. Alir Latifi plus 180 or Alir Labifi is uh, at Lake Kick TKO on Twitter said that was a that was a great call there. Um yeah, I got Derek Lewis here, which is I guess is rare. I don't always pick Derek Lewis for fights. But um, you know, technique, how hard is he training? It just I, I love Derek Lewis and you know, he's a juggernaut bitch. Oh, I'm ready to f-. you know, the, he's like he's essentially the juggernaut redub character in walking form. How can you not love him? But it also gets very frustrating just kind of trying to know where he's at. Um, Alir Latifi says he's done with the weight cuts going back to heavyweight. Um, again, I'm taking Derek Lewis here, and there is a size difference. I'm not denying that. But let me say this, folks. I don't think – I said this to begin with, and even after seeing the standoff, I'll stand by this. Yes, there's a size difference. Yes, I don't think it's a good move for Alir Latifi to move up to heavyweight. Uh, I don't think it's the best move. And I don't think it's a good move to face Derek Lewis, which is why I'm picking Derek Lewis. All these check marks I agree with y'all on. Don't get it twisted. I just think that the size difference, like people were just hanging on to this. And I don't know if it's as as big as people make it out to be, especially as they were expecting. Uh, because again, there was a size difference when they stood off, but it, it was more, I've seen, we've seen bigger ones in multiple weight classes that have garnered less of a reaction. And it's just weird because, A, Latifi used to fight at heavyweight. Uh, you know, he fought Blagoy Ivanov with a ring broke. Um, B, heavyweight champion, pound-for-pound pound great Daniel Cormier, granted isn't the biggest heavyweight in the world, but he, we saw how successful those body types are, I guess, 
another point there. But more importantly, Daniel Cormier said that's one of the most strongest men he's ever felt in wrestling, training, anything, is Alir Latifi. Um, granted, Alir Latifi has knockout power, though, back to the size, to that argument, that reach is really going to hurt him uh, as well. But Derek Lewis has always been, we've always blown up Derek Lewis's size. If you go back and watch Derek Lewis, he's a heavyweight, he's a big boy, he's a knockout king, believe me. I'm not doubting any of that. But to pretend he's like some huge heavyweight, like if there was a black beast in the card and I didn't know, I would be like, oh, it's the guy, it's the Kraken, Juan Adams, because... 6'4 and 6'5 is where you really start to differentiate yourself as a heavyweight. Juan Adams, 6'5, barely makes the limit. Derek Lewis has the cut to make the limit too, but it's more out of diet. I mean, you look at him early on, he was weighing like 230. He was like within striking distance of 205, hitting fucking ninja arm bars on Rakeem Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, and he had back issues, and, and, and which attributed to, you know, some self admitted, uh, you know, not the best diet or strength and conditioning or training ethics, right? And now he has to cut to that weight. But at the end of the day, the dude's 6'3". I mean, he's got a good reach on him. I think it's like 78 inches or something like off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got the reach advantage. Yeah, baby. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, um, I don't, I, you know, he's not like the biggest heavyweight. Like, like, um... I don't know. I don't know. I just I'm, I'm picking Derek Lewis to win here. I think uh, Latifi uh, he he he's got an energy management and gas problem, and that, in my opinion, doesn't allow him to use his wrestling, which really wouldn't do him any favors here. He's going to try to wrestle Lewis. He's going to get knocked out faster. Either way, I think just trying to strike with Lewis and wrestle with Lewis is going to gas him out, and Derek Lewis is probably going to get a third round TKO. That is my prediction. Uh, you know, I love Alir Latifi's Instagram like everybody else, but I, just, I don't think it's happening for him today. Um, all right. Trevin Giles. Jay Giles is uh, <laughs> minus 140. Antonio Arroyo, plus 120. Um, this one's not on the avoid list, but it pretty much could be. I watched just kind of their last fights. I didn't go too deep, but yeah, Antonio Arroyo. More just opportunistic dude. He's cross-trained at Jackson Wink. Looks like he stayed in Brazil for this one, whereas Trevin Giles, Jay Giles is still uh, balancing uh, cop duties. Trained a bit with Morono. Didn't look like either of them got down to Fortis, but they have trained there, obviously, Morono more so. I'm sure uh, Safe Saeed will probably be in this corner unless there was a falling out or something that I'm not aware of. But So that'll be good for Morono when we get there. I don't know what the deal is, though, with... Um, Jay Giles, and it's tough to know, you know, he's a brown belt Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and, like, it was step-ups in competition, granted, he got past Braganetto, who is not too shabby at jiu-jitsu, okay, but, uh, you look at how those fights happen, yeah, he got caught by Zach Cummins, um, and, uh, and then got, you know, submitted there, and, of course, uh, Mirshar, GM3, baby, Coop Troop, um, who's, you know, no no shame in that loss there, but it does make you question, okay, where's this guy at? He's still not training, you know, full-time. How's that going to affect him? Um, and he should win this fight on all counts, but he seems also to lose to more opportunistic guys uh, as well. Maybe that seems to be the kryptonite here for, for, for Trevin Giles, you know? Um, uh 
Antonio Arroyo is definitely better than the uh, Baknovic of the world. I think it's a James Baknovic, but you know, throwback to older podcasts here. Old air Bob Baknovic's kid here. Old air Bob Baknovic. Um, but but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm picking Giles here. I, I'm just worried this is one of those fights that's in hindsight. We're gonna be like, oh yeah, like. And Tony, this is a massive step down for Trevin Giles. Like, for minus 140, for a massive step down, um, I think he's going to be okay. Uh, I just I hope his kick defense isn't as lackadaisical. He's not doing that one-handed kick defense like he was doing against Gerald Nearshart. Because Antonio Arroyo, it looks like his strength is uh, the kicks there on the feet. And again, he can't be caught sleeping. Antonio Arroyo, I mean, he was going against Munez, who was a submission fucking machine. This is why I picked Munez last fight out. But, um... We saw Arroyo, you know, he can he he's 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 more game there than he probably leads on, so so we'll see. Alright, next fight, Andrea KGB Lee, minus three twenty. Lauren Murphy <laughs> plus two sixty. I don't know why I gotta use that voice for Lauren Murphy. She's such a sweetheart and uh I like her a lot. <laughs> uh, I I don't know why I'm using that like that seventies like uh who done it drama voice like someone's killing octagon girls and Lorenzo's gonna find out who. Hey Chrissy, what are you doing tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Lauren Murphy. <laughs> Lucky Lauren. All right, Dan, easy. Um, I got Andrea Lee here. I don't know about minus three twenty, but I do think the volume and athleticism is gonna stand out. And, and you know, you could have said that. Well, not so much about the volume or the experience or the skills, because. Didn't have those, but was an athlete and cast out. So, you know, could that happen here? We've seen Andrea Lee not gas, but she's she's such an athlete. She's so explosive. I try to use explosive for people that aren't um, that aren't that aren't uh, African American or or, or black, uh, for lack of better descriptor. Because I feel like it's like subtle racism there. Um, and, hey, it's actually, you know, appropriate for some people, too. And I think, you know, for this division, she's very explosive. Uh, and you kind of see that energy management, um, her battling with that at times. Man, she looked like she was really battling with something with that. I don't know if it was the heat with that Joanne Calderwood fight or the teeps and leg kick she was taking to the face. But I think she will definitely be the leg kicker here. Luckily for her, Lauren Murphy, although she does throw leg kicks, and I'm sure she's going to be throwing more. Her Muay Thai seems to have stepped up since she's with Bob Crew and company over there uh, uh, with Derek Lewis's fight team. But uh, I definitely think this will be a nice fight for Andrea Lee to be the leg kicker because John called it when I was looking back at her stats, and Jesus Christ, does she quietly accrue leg kicks on girls. So I guess that's not much of a surprise or a shame. Um... But yeah, I think she'll be the leg kicker here. I think her pace will uh, hold true and and hold out. But I was listening to KGV Lee uh, in an interview with the um, with the uh, what you would call it uh, uh, the unfiltered unfiltered, and she was I guess saying like something about her in laws like making a comments how like doesn't want her daughter watching her fight because it could be a bad influence. I'm like, oh, that's really shitty. And then I'm like, because, you know, it's a positive thing. She's a single mom doing her thing. Like, there's a lot of positive, you know, strong woman. I'm like, there's a lot of positive things there. And then I'm like, wait, in-laws. Donnie Aaron's in-laws? The, <laughs> the guy with the Iron Eagles? Fucking swastika tattooed all over him. Donnie Aaron. <laughs> that's the bad influence. <laughs> the girl wearing the cowboy hat kickboxing. 
sing Heil guy? Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> sorry. And then I'm sorry. I'm not trying to make light of that situation. But if if that uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm gonna sound like an asshole here. If that's not um who Donnie Aaron was, if that's not who Donnie Aaron was, because then I'm also looking at KGB Lee's um bio, and uh, she's like you know brown belt in judo, um, brown belt in jujitsu, uh, black belt in Kyokushin, Kyokushin karate. Dan, you can't pronounce that. Wow, you of all people. And, uh, and it goes, uh, and I forget what it says, like the, the traditional Muay Thai ranking. I, I don't have it offhand or know it. Apologies. Under Master Donnie Aaron. <laughs> is it Master Donnie Aaron or is it Grand Knight or whatever they call it? Grand Dragon. I don't How do they? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I shouldn't, I shouldn't joke about that. That is, oh, Jesus. That just, Wow. Anyways, hopefully, uh, hopefully your in law. I guess what I'm trying to say is hopefully the, the in laws go a little bit easier on uh, Andrea KGB Lee. She's just trying to do her damn thing. All right, Alex Morono minus three forty five. Your every favorite over short notice. I'm not sure how short notice replacement. Uh, Kylan Williams. It looks like a shrunken down version of that one guy. What is his name? James Knight or some William Knight? That big like muscled up dude. He recently got a win outside the UFC, uh, but he was a contender series guy. Um, but he looks like that. And unfortunately for him, he kind of throws with the speed of a light heavyweight, even though I think this guy used to fight at lightweight. He looks like a big welterweight to me. It's going to be bigger than Morono, but that's nothing that Morono's not used to. Um, Morono looks like he's training with sizable cats as well as middleweight there, Trevin. Uh, um, so, I mean, I think he's going to be okay for this fight, but I didn't watch enough of Williams's fights. I only watched like one fight from 2018. It was a decision. Uh, I didn't go back to watch Morono's fight with uh, Alex Griffin or Max Griffin, but that's uh, that's pretty impressive on paper considering the uh, levels and whatnot. I don't remember going back. I didn't go back to watch it, but from what I remember, I, I'm pretty sure I remember being somewhat surprised and impressed. So I'm going to take um, Alex Morono. But for that price, I mean, it's not on my avoid list. I'm just, it's just a wait and you know, just enjoy the fight. Um, I don't even, you know, this guy looks like he's pretty composed as Kylan Williams guy. He's been a decision enough. So it's not like Alex Morono, who has gassed himself, is necessarily going to gas this guy out. I, I you know, I, um, and Alex Morono, this will be a fight where he would, would should dust off his Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. But he even admits it himself. He just gets so wind, wound up in the striking. So it's like, I don't even want to suggest an angle for this one. Just watch it and enjoy. Uh, something I forgot to say really quick about Chukagian versus Shevchenko. Now, Chukagian doesn't look like she's working with Mark Henry as much this camp, but she comes from that camp um, and whatnot. And um, something I was noticing from that camp, they don't tend to do well against Southpaws, do they? Now, we can go all the way back to Mark Henry's first people and Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar, of course, losing isn't fought many Southpaws, but the most notable losses times two to Benson Henderson. Of course, there are arguments for him winning that fight, but he took a lot of damage in those fights, and um, uh, the striking uh, proved uh, to probably the most problems, we would argue, right? And then you go to even other fighters like uh, Corey Anderson. Um, he hasn't fought many southpaws, but Ovin St. Prue, not only was he knocked out by the southpaw head kick, um, he got rocked from the southpaw stance uh, multiple times in that fight before 
uh, and once by the head kick as well before getting knocked out by it, right? Uh, Eddie Alvarez. Um, Eddie Alvarez was with them during that point when he fought Conor McGregor. Uh, Eddie Alvarez traditionally did pretty well against Southpaws for the most part in his career, but the only Southpaw he really fought um, was uh, aside a switch stance Pettis, who he wrestled, so that doesn't really count, was Conor McGregor, uh, right? And uh, and also uh, Dustin Poirier, and we saw him just be get, getting lit up. Now, Eddie always got tagged early in those fights, uh, you know, hitting high-level guys like that late on his career, could have had something to do with it, certainly. But again, you you start drawing these kind of uh, you start looking at you start looking at these uh, connections, right? Um, I think I had some more too. Um, Zabit hasn't really fought Southpaws or lost, uh, but yeah, he hasn't really fought Southpaws, I don't believe. But yeah, you got to start wondering, and you think about how many Southpaws training that camp at a high level. Alvarez is orthodox. Even past guys like Felder, Barbosa, those were kickboxers, but those were orthodox guys. Marlon Marais, who's no longer there, those were uh, orthodox. Even Marlon Marais, you know, uh, he didn't face many southpaws, but the one he did face was John Dotson, and that was a split decision because that fight was a lot closer than it probably should have been. Um, right? So, again, you just look at those threats. I, I, I'm not sure. I love Mark Henry. I love the camp, but... I'm not sure they do well against Southpaws because I am hard-pressed to think of any iteration, any loose to strong connection of the camp where they did well against a Southpaw, meaning a meaningful level Southpaw. So that's something I wanted to pitch out there. I didn't talk about it in my breakdown, but I wanted to share that with you all. Miles Johns back down track, minus 135. Mario Batista plus 115. This probably should be on the avoid list, to be honest, folks, but... Um, it's not for me because I'm playing this fight. And more specifically, it's not because not only am I playing this fight, I initially was looking to play one side. And when I went to do the study, not only did I get swayed off it, I got swayed into the other side. Uh, and, and that was, um, for the underdog, Mario Bautista. I initially was looking to, to bet Miles Johns because I agreed with the initial price of him being a favorite. The more I looked into it, I remember not being super impressed. I'm like, was I just being hypercritical? Like I admit that I could have been doing in the review uh, about a bantamweight gassing. You know, it was the contender series. The guy was putting up, uh, Santiago was putting up a tough fight. It was a tough East Coast dude, right? Um, but no, you go in a fight. He, again, I'm pretty sure he had full, full camp for the last fight against Cole Smith. Um, and, uh, and again, he's... Uh, he had more gas than Cole Smith, thankfully, and was able to tag him because Cole Smith had just pretty much nothing for the stand-up. Um, but aside from that, like, he looked like he was breaking. He was talking to the ref. Like, he might as well have been gassing. You know Dan Tom not so much hates, but more salivates if we're talking about from a degenerate perspective. I ain't picking up my man Worley Alves, but back to Worley Alves. Like, when, when people are checking clocks... When they're trying to convince refs of things, like that's 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 what that shows weakness, you know, that's mental weakness right there. Um, and I don't mean to be crude or cruel with that. All respect to respect to Johns. I just feel like, and he comes from a great camp, Fortis MMA. Um, although it's, and you know, again, there's plenty of beasts that you guys don't know about uh, in the training room. So I'm not going to be a hypocrite and discount 
some no names or no faces, so to speak. But I don't recognize the guys he's training with because, again, great people at Fortis, but not so much in his weight class. So who's he training with? And I say that because he comes off to me as a bully because he's so athletic. He comes from a family of athletes, John's does. And I feel like those guys, when things come easy, so when they don't, we get to see a little more character there that maybe doesn't have to get tested as much, especially in places like the gym where they're head and shoulders above their peers. And now you mix that against a really tough guy like Mario Bautista, but more important than the Mexican toughness, man. Um, tell you, man, those Mexicans, you know. <laughs> Race wars! <laughs> Mexicans, Koreans, and Hawaiians. Just, just mix them all together. They'll give us great fights, man. I swear. <laughs> Aguilar, freaking... Aguilar and Ige, uh, Dong Young Kim slash Dong Young Ma versus Pollo Reyes. Like, you get these savage Barrio Batista versus uh, Junsu Kim. Like, I mean, you get these savages together, dude. They're just, I love it. I fucking love it. And uh, But not only that, he has that um, MMA lab style get up game. You know, the John Crouch instills, you know, he's, he's a jiu jitsu guy, not a wrestler, but he instills his guys with great get ups. And he does what he's got that Brian Barberina get up trigger. He immediately fights hands and gets to his feet. It makes it hard for back takes, which is especially impressive considering he's doing it in a division that's more potent with back takes being bantamweight. Um, and I love that style. It's very tough to deal with. I mean, even when I when I was talking with Colby Covington off record, like it was that was one of the things he you know I, I feel like I can share that's not taboo or anything. But he he. At this point, was you know this was before he fought Damien, but was like Brian Barberina is the toughest guy I fought. Um, he just kept getting up. He's such a savage, such an underrated get up game. That guy's a, a savage, you know. And for Colby to give those cred meant something. And I see that exact same game with Mario Bautista, but you couple in a, a, a better, more potent striking game um, than the Barberinas or the uh, you know the Barberinas of the world. And, you know that Mexican toughness uh, again. Not trying to overly bring race into it folks and there, there's a there's a chagrin that i have when i when i when i say these things of course um and it's all positive of course uh you know not saying anything in a negative but like yeah you know that savagery and and yeah i mean for the underdog price i could see why money came in on bautista uh, but and he, the, the fact that he's still at an underdog odds for a fight that i see being close yeah i'll take him i could see him catching him early in the stand-up and uh, but I just see him essentially taking over the fight and and banking rounds two and three, maybe even getting a finish, uh, depending. Miles um, John's really gonna have to work for this win though. I was looking to bet him and got complete swayed completely the uh, the other way after watching this footage. Um, Bautista hasn't been fighting for that long, and John's been fighting for longer, but he strikes and moves well beyond his ears. Uh, there's that too. So yeah, I took a sh half unit shot on. Uh, Mario Bautista plus 110. He's plus 115 now. So that price actually got better. This one's definitely on the avoid list. Domingo Polarte minus, minus 130 versus Jeremy Newsom plus 110. I think Newsom opened as a slight favorite, I want to say. And money came in on Polarte. I think they're just looking at size. And I hate it because I always go to faded size because it isn't everything. But then I'll get proven wrong. And Domingo Polarte has got those Luke Rockhold vibes where he'll definitely try, you know, Prove you wrong, although I believe he is coming off of a loss. Um, 
Whereas Jeremy Newsom is also coming off of a loss, but he impressed me. He reminded me of one of the more like technical WEC guys. Oh yeah, F- Felipe de Corrales, Calares, who Calares came out and like fought a completely different fight, a completely different fighter. So, how much of it was that, and how much of it was Polarte uh, layoff? You know, uh, from the Contender Series UFC debut, etc. Jeremy Jeremy Newsom. I mean, he had Ricardo Ramos on short notice. Uh, on short notice. Um, so he was able to get out of those submissions. I think he's able to get out of Polarte's. I think it's going to be close, but I think Newsom's going to be able to outpoint him. So I'm going to take Jeremy Newsom. Um, if you're a degenerate, you can sprinkle for fun. But that's honestly, that, that, that fight's on my avoid list for whatever that's worth. Um, it's a wait and see. I like both these guys for different reasons. Um, I don't know why I said that. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously, each guy has a different style. But I like both these guys. So we'll see. All right. Um, Andre Uhl, minus 130 versus Jonathan Pedro Martinez. Come back on him, plus 110. Uh, this was a fight, again, like I said last week, uh, looking how the Southpaw versus Southpaw matches up. And, and again, it's tricky. Um, for some reason, I was thinking Martinez was an MMA lab guy because I always get him confused with Mario Bautista, who is on this card. Um, but, yeah, uh, he does train, though, however, at a really good gym and good kickboxing gym with a good coach and corner man. That is Mark Montoya. You know, over there at Factory X, uh, and Andre Uhl, uh training with uh, guys like uh, what's his name, freaking Roosevelt Reyes and uh, Mr. Turner, Jalen Turner. Um, but I don't know how many. Uh, well, Turner's a southpaw, isn't he? Yeah. So he's got a southpaw to train with there. I think his his straights are going to be super live. I mean, we saw Martinez get lit up with straights, even from a guy like. Ping Long or was it? That's funny. John Martinez like I'm not fighting an Asian for the first time. He's got Ping Long and he also got Sukum Ta. Sukum Ta. sorry, <laughs> sorry for that. Woo! I set off the yeah monitor on yeah sorry <laughs> set off. The... Set off settings here. Hopefully this is sounding okay. Recording on all new stuff. All right. But yeah, um, I actually, I, I like Jonathan Martinez here though. I like his Muay Thai stylings, man. I like, um, oh, I like his double attack. Someone asked me about a double attack on Twitter. I'm going to pull up your question because that was on a main event um, as I uh, as, as I pull that up here. Um, oh. But yeah, she he's she's he's got a good double attack there. Um, what was I gonna say? Who's got a good double attack, Dan? Yeah, Jonathan Martinez. So I think that's gonna come to life uh, with the South Boston Islands there. So uh, I actually ended up taking the shot on Martinez at plus one hundred at point five units. Um, he looks like he gets takedowns against the fence. I think the ground game's a wash, but Martinez looks like he gets taken down against the fence, and Uo looks like he backs himself up there is another thing. Even though Uo looks like he's really working on his jiu-jitsu game, I think the leg kicks he's shown that leg kicks kind of... He's not super long and lanky, but he showed leg kicks hurt him uh, before, and he also has shown signs of gassing. You know, he was able to hold up okay with Anderson Dos Santos from what I remember, but then was gassing. Granted, it was a high-paced fight against Marlon Vera, but Marlon Vera started slow, so like how high face could it have been? Um, part of me thinks that um, 
Andre Ull is growing out of this weight class. I don't know how much weight he cuts, but I think it's a, that's what's affecting his gas tank. That's what we're seeing. That's my canary in a coal mine. So I'm going to, again, man, fucking Mexico, baby. Uh, <laughs> Martinez is probably like, I'm El Salvadorian, bro, or something like, but no, I don't even know what his thing, but yeah, I'm going with uh, Martinez here. Uh, all right, last fight on the void list. Yusuf Zalau, uh, plus 180, Austin Lingo, um, minus 220. I did not do any study on this card. Uh, Austin Lingo is the favorite, probably. Sounds like he's got more experience. He's got Muay Thai credentials, black belt in Taekwondo, um, the same jiu-jitsu rank. I believe they're both purple belts uh, as Zalal. Zalal, of course, comes from a good camp. Uh, he's a switch dance fighter, so he's probably going to be a good uh, sparring partner for um, Jonathan Martinez there. Another reason why I, I like Martinez. Um, close to the same weight class, right? But uh, um, outside of the purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, I don't see any striking stuff for Zalal, but he's in the, the right camp for it. So this is more just a wait and see. Even if I did tape study, I guarantee you, especially at, at a two-to-one spread for a debutance, it probably would have ended up on my avoid list anyways. I apologize. I can't get you guys any techniques for that. Okay. Well, just over an hour, so not too bad from what I thought from my 45 minutes to an hour estimation. All right. Recap of the pick starting from the top. Taking John Jones over. Oh wait, real quick. Uh, double attack. Double attack. Question. I got that. That was um, Drew Steinberg at Drew J Steinberg. If it's not too late to submit a question for the pod, I'd love to hear what you think of Ray's a southpaw double attack and how it'll affect Jones's strategy. Of course, double attack. Um, there's a lot of different ways, and a lot of people call it different things. To my understanding, essentially, it's just the double threat of uh, a uh, of your power side. Um, when you meld your cross and your head kick. Southpaws are known for it, like Dominic Reyes, but like just for a more relatable example, for people that might not be familiar of these examples, uh, Drew, um, I'll throw out Donald Cerrone. And he's a, and he's kind of apropos because he came, that no longer comes from, came from the same camp um, as Jackson Wink. Um, so they're not beyond guys who throw double attacks. Holly Holm has not as good of one, but that is kind of a, a basic broken down part of her style. You know, selling the cross, coming up with the high kick. Uh, Cerrone, of course, does it. You, Adriano Martins' highlight is so perfect to show that, where he really gets um, Adriano Martins to parry and bite on that cross, but the head kick really, you know, he goes to parry and slip, but he slips right to the head kick. Um, that is the kind of ideal of a double attack. And then when you incorporate and you have a good liver kick and a head kick, that kind of adds another layer to it, right? Dominic Reyes does do those things. However... I feel like that's more of um, more something that Jones, who seems like he's really, like I said, he seems really on point as far as breaking down his game. He already seems from the comments he said that he's dialed in on Dominic Reyes's left power side. So um, I uh, I think that that is going to be one of the things that Dominic uh, that John Jones, if I'm going to hedge my bets, is going to be more well prepared for. I give you know I know I give Winkle John a lot of crap uh, as far as. His cornering, and I can't say coaching, but uh, I can just say what I see as cornering. You know, ponies all day, ponies all day. And he fucking champions and hides behind. 90% it seems like it's like just that, that fucking knee kicking. You guys know my opinion on it. I think it should be legal. I'm fine with it being legal, but it's a cheap fucking kick, and it doesn't take much skill to do, and that's not arguable. I, I, I'm fine with it. I'm not mad. There's plenty of ways to counter it. Um, I just hate that argument. Well, a knee bar... 
Well, the knee bar does the damage. I'm like, you got to earn a knee bar. You have to get a fucking takedown. You have to pass. You have to dominate somebody. Um, you don't just have to lift up your leg and fucking kick forward. Something I can teach a toddler to an old man. But whatever. Um, anyway, so I, I do think, to Quinkle John's credit, um, he is very familiar with the double uh, attack and the mechanics of that theory. Um, I didn't say it on this, but I think the, sh- the shot that we're looking for is going to be I'm pretty sure I said in the breakdowns maybe last week, but it's actually going to be the uppercut. Obviously, the left cross um, is the shot to watch out for off the counter. That's Reyes' money punch coming forward and off the counter. But I think that the uppercut has long been a shot that that John Jones has, has eaten. Even before the Cormier days, um, you see it. Um, Teixeira was able to hit him with some. And you just look at the way he kind of ducks his... He dips... John Jones dips his uh, head down. Um, yeah. You know, I know a lot of people are breaking down his head movement, and it looks questionable. It, it does. It is. It's not quote-unquote correct, but Jones can get away with it because he's so long, and he is going to still have a, a, a sizable reach advantage in this fight. However, his defensive movements that I do think come into play um, that aren't talked about as much is his dipping, and I think the uppercut's going to be there. And you look at Dominic Reyes' uppercut against Cannoneer. Um, that's the shot I can't help but see uh, being lit lit up for him the most uh but you know at the same time you look at the uh head kick that anthony smith was able to hit john jones with in around one like there wasn't much of a chamber to it um you know what i'm saying anthony smith isn't the fastest fight uh, fighter in the world uh, and that's not a diss on you know i'm a big anthony smith fan i'm just saying if we're trying to compare um to dominic reyes and i don't think it's like a blinding speed difference by the way i'm just saying that dominic reyes probably has the speed difference so if you look at that anthony smith was able to hit john jones with a kind of a naked head kick so to speak um then perhaps the double attack could have play in that theory drew uh and another interesting note is that john jones was in a southpaw stance uh mirrored uh, the southpaw stance that anthony smith switched to i believe when that kick happens and that's another thing. It's like John Jones. I think the body kick will have more play than the head kick, but maybe not because John. Jo- it's weird. Like fighters that are traditionally switch dance fighters, that are southpaws like Machida, they like to keep the opposite stance advantage because they're so used to it. So you'll see that even if a fighter is southpaw or switches to southpaw, Machida will go orthodox. John Jones is the opposite. As an orthodox fighter who move to switch stance john jones likes to switch his stance to match he loves matching the opponents even in the southpaw versus southpaw now that could be very dangerous considering the you know uh, the southpaw blind spot um as i call it or the southpaw killer shouts to my dude uh, connor rebush over there bloody elbow um the left cross or the left hook are just extra devastating as 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 i he even we, if you go back and listen to that Hook KO breakdown episode, uh, has been broken down in this this program before. It could really open him up for that. However, it does close off the body kick, so it does limit those, which is good for Jones. But the crazy thing is, like when I was looking, when did Jones start going to southpaw, right? Or when did he start switching to southpaw? And I also obviously wanted to see how he did against southpaws. And it's actually his first time he gets a southpaw. Leota Machida, I think maybe even his first title defense. Like that is the first time John Jones switches stance. How crazy! Like how crazy is this guy? Back to like shit doesn't make sense. Like oh yeah, this is a good time. Just try try Sal Paul, the guy with a devastating left hand. 
um, a counter striker, a better striker, more experienced fighter. I'm inexperienced. First title defense. First southpaw. First legitimate southpaw. Yeah, let's 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 fuck around switching stances now. And the son of a bitch did it, you know. And before that, when he takes his striking evolution to the next level, before the sand switching, what is who does he do that against? Title fight against Shogun Hua on short notice. Like what the fuck, man? Like it's 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 so hard to pretend you, you got a beat on this guy because you really. You really don't. For better, for worse, early, late, all iterations of Jones' career, really tough. Sorry for the long answer on the double attack, but that was the answer to that. Real quick, uh, Lauren Murphy, how did she not get a bonus for her last fight? That really was a bummer. Um, and I covered everything else. Okay, sorry about that, folks. Recapping plays now. Thanks for the questions. By the way, hit me up with questions anytime at the PYM Podcast, at Dan Tom MMA. I will answer them. Um, I just wanted to keep you to the breakdowns for this episode, but I accept questions for every episode. And when I do do those posts, make sure you chime in. Uh, get that interaction, man. It's, 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 uh, it's awesome. It's helpful. All right, recapping, I promise. Taking John Jones over Dominic Reyes. Taking Valentina Shevchenko over Caitlin Chukagan. Taking Juan Adams over Justin Taffa. Taking Dan Ige over Mirsad Bektik. Taking Derek Lewis. Oh, yeah. Over Lily Latifi. Taking Trevin Guile. Jaga. Uh, over Antonio Arroyo taking Andrea KGB Lee over Lauren Murphy taking Alex Morono over Kylan Williams taking Mario Batista over Miles Johns taking Journey Newsom over Domingo Pilarte taking Jonathan Martinez over Andre Uhl taking Austin Lingo I guess over Yusuf Zalau um no parlays. This is a madman, man. I'm not giving y'all any parlays. This is, this is a tough card to parlay. You're, you're doing degen shit if you are. Um, and nothing against that because I'm going to do some degen shit myself. I'm not hating, folks. I'm just saying. No parlays for me. Straight plays, though. Uh, just three underdog plays. Taking Ige. Got him at plus 115 through for one unit. Uh, you don't have to follow me off that cliff. There's bias attached to that one. You don't have to follow me off any cliff. But the other cliffs I jumped off of was Martinez at plus 100 for half a unit. Batista plus 110 for half a unit. Props. Um, I'm probably going to play these, but these are just essentially angles for the main and co-main event, which is Jones Reyes over 2.5 minus 155. Playable chalk. Also playable chalk. Shevchenko by decision minus 145. On my avoid list, Lingo versus Zalau. Polarte versus Newsom. Tafa versus Adams. All right, folks. Thanks again. Want to give another shout out to my friends at mytopsportsbooks.com. Again, check the show notes for the imagery and link attached for more previews, more content from good people, good friends over there. Of course, you could support the show by going to the website that hosts the show, mixedmarshallanalyst.com. Of course, linked in my Twitter profile at Dan Tom MMA, the podcast at the PYM Podcast MMA, but at mixedmarshallanalyst.com, the host website, you will find links that work now. For Amazon banner, I know you guys all click on Amazon. Just click through the banner. It's one extra click, maybe two. If you go to my site, you, you, you put it in your banners list, mixedmarshallanalyst.com, go through the banner, do all your shopping. It costs you nothing, and it kicks back to the program to help me pay off <laughs> uh, to help me pay off some equipment I may or may not have just financed and we're recording on. Um, as well as on it, if you like on it as well, you, you just again one one or two extra clicks there doesn't cost you anything. Go to my site, click through the banner, you're there. Load up on all your on it programs. I love the new mood, the alpha brain, 
the uh, cocoa hemp and protein, a little mix there. It's not just pure hemp, but it's good. Uh, as well as, you know, you got the iTunes ratings and reviews. Those are free. Those always help the show. There's, again, I keep all the links on that sidebar, mixmarshallanalyst.com. The iTunes one is right under the PayPal donation link. I feel even bad bringing that up because uh, I hate promoting for myself or asking for things, but that's just a direct way if you want to directly donate to the program. Uh, thank you again for those who who have uh, the John Hooper Reigns of the world, the, the Cates, the, 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 Ryan, uh, the Ryan Connerys of the world, the, uh, all the other names I'm probably forgetting or messing up. I apologize. They're all floating in my head. Thank you all. Uh, good luck on your picks and plays this weekend, folks. Thanks for uh, listening. Apologies for the uh, you know uh, later episode. And uh, always protect your next. <laughs>